Hi, this is John Breyer with Painly Matters, and today I'm going to talk about an accident, an aircraft accident, that happened on 24 January 1963 in Maine. It was a B-52 crash into Elephant Mountain that happened on, as I said, January 24, 1963. The aircraft was a B-52C Stratofortress was operated by the Strategic Air Command, United States Air Force. The flight started in uh, at Westover Air Force Base near Springfield, Massachusetts, and it had nine passengers on board, six crew members and three passengers in total. It resulted in seven fatalities. There were two survivors. The uh, Elephant Mountain crash uh, site is still preserved as a memorial there. So a lot of people um, every year will hike up there. And a lot of the wreckage is uh, still left there as a memorial to the accident site. So it is something that uh, current people, uh, Mainers and tourists can see to pay their respects. There's a lot of um, information on the internet about the Elephant Mountain crash. Wikipedia has a lot of great information, and I'm going to go over some of the facts and the circumstances that happened on that on that tragic day. So on January 24th, 1963, a United States Air Force Boeing B-52C Stratofortress with nine crew members on board lost its vertical stabilizer due to stress during turbulence at a low altitude and it crashed on Elephant Mountain in Piscataquis County up in Maine. It was about six miles from Greenville. The pilot and the navigator both survived the accident, while seven others were not so fortunate. It was actually a training mission, and the crew was training for what they called training avoidance flight. They were practicing techniques to penetrate advanced capability radar undetected by the Soviet air defense during the Cold War. During this type of training, many flights like this had been made over the west coast of the United States, but this was one of the first low-level navigation flights utilizing terrain-following radar ever conducted by the Air Force in the eastern United States. The crew of the flight, consist, which consisted of two of the 99th Bombardment Wing standardization division crews based at Westover Air Force, Massachusetts, and two instructors from the 39th Bombardment Squadron, 6th Strategic Air Space Wing at Walker Air Force, New Mexico. They were briefed for six hours the day before the accident on that particular training run they were going to make. They had the choice of flying over either the Carolinas or Maine. They chose Maine. The B-52C departed Westover Air Force Base at 2.11 p.m. on Thursday, 24 January 1963, and was scheduled to return to Westover at 5.30 p.m. The crew spent the first 95 minutes of the flight calibrating their equipment, and upon receiving updated weather information for both available routes, they chose the northern one. Again, they could have gone to the Carolinas. It was their choice. They picked Maine. 
They were supposed to begin their low-level simulated penetration of enemy airspace just south of Princeton, Maine, near West Grand Lake. From there, they would head north to Millinocket and fly over the mountains in the Joe Mary Greenville, Greenville area. They then planned to turn northeast near Sabumuk Lake and southeast near Kakagomak Lake. Interesting names of lakes in Maine that I actually have never heard before. To proceed through the mountains of northern Baxter State Park. They crossed, after crossing over Traveler Mountain, the aircraft was supposed to climb back to altitude over Holton, Maine, and then return to base. The accident itself happened around 2.30 p.m., an hour after, ta- after takeoff, when the Stratofortress crossed the Princeton VOR, descended to about 500 feet, and they started to simulate the penetration of enemy airspace at that low altitude, with an airspeed of approximately 280 knots, which is about 320 miles per hour. Uh, the outside temperature was cold. It was minus 14 degrees Fahrenheit, and the, and the winds were gusting at 40 knots, which is about 46 miles an hour, and there was five feet of snow on the ground. Approximately 22 minutes later, after passing the Brownville Junction in the center of Maine, the aircraft did begin to encounter turbulence. When the pilot and crew commander Westover, most senior standardization instructor pilot, started to climb above it, this is what caused the accident. As the pilot was climbing up to get out of the turbulence, the vertical stabilizer came off the plane with a loud noise sounding like an explosion. The B-52 had suffered serious damage with that vertical stabilizer coming off the aircraft. That's the, the tail part that you know sticks up vertically. That was completely severed. The B-52 went into a 40-degree right turn immediately with the nose pointed downward. The pilot gave the order to abandon the aircraft when he could not level it. On the B-52C, only the upper flight deck crew members had ejection seats that actually went up. So the pilot, co-pilot, and the electronic warfare officer, who's also a navigator who's trained in the electronic warfare function of the aircraft, they can eject at any altitude because they go up from the cockpit straight up as long as the airspeed was at least 90 knots or 100 miles per hour. They needed to be going at least 100 miles per hour in order to inflate the blast-propelled parachutes that were part of their ejection seats. The lower deck members, unfortunately, their system didn't operate the same way. They eject on a downward track from the aircraft. So the navigator and radar navigator cannot safely eject at altitudes of less than 200 feet, or they would hit the ground. Spare crew members do not have an ejection seat at all. They must use parachutes and either jump out of the navigation navigator's hatch after the navigators have ejected or drop out of the aircraft's door. The tail gunner had his own unique escape option, but he would have to pull some levers and switches that literally severed the tail gun and then jumped out. He would jump out 
of the resulting hole in the rear of the aircraft and use his parachute. The navigator who was operating as the electronic warfare officer ejected first from the cockpit, upwardly. He was followed by the pilot and co-pilot. Unfortunately, there was neither enough altitude or time for the six lower deck crew members to escape before the aircraft crashed into the west side of Elephant Mountain at 2.52 p.m. The co-pilot suffered fatal injuries. He struck a tree one mile away from the main crash site after he had ejected um, his parachute deployed, but he crashed into a tree on the descent and it killed him instantly. The pilot landed in a tree 30 feet above the ground. He survived that night with temperatures dropping down to minus 30 degrees Fahrenheit in his survival suit. Uh, well, it's a survival kit, sleeping bag, that was um, on top of his life raft, which was attached to the ejection seat and whatnot. So he was able to get that around his body, and that kept him alive that night. The navigator's parachute did not deploy upon ejection. He impacted the snow-covered ground before separating from his ejection seat about 2,000 feet from the wreckage. It was estimated later that the impact of his ejection seat hitting the snow-covered ground was about 16 times the force of gravity. He suffered a fractured skull and three broken ribs. The force of the impact bent his ejection seat and he could not get his survival kit out. He literally survived that night by wrapping himself in, a parach in his parachute for some form of warmth. So it's pretty amazing to think that that uh, co-pilot ejected from a B-52 and his parachute never opened and literally that ejection seat just plummeted to the ground and impacted the, the snow-covered ground with such force that it bent the seat, fractured his skull and ribs, but he still survived. A greater operator on a remote uh, woods road up in that area, he witnessed the final turn of the stratofortress, and he saw a black smoke cloud after the impact. Eighty rescuers from the Maine State Police, the Maine Inland Fish and Game Department, the Civil Air Patrol, as well as Air Force units from Dow Air Force Base in Bangor, Maine, and along with others from New Hampshire and Massachusetts, and many volunteers went to work. Search aircraft were on the scene, but they searched too far south and east to locate the wreckage before nightfall. The crash site was located the next day, and the Scott Paper Company dispatched snowplows from Greenville to clear 10 miles of road that had snowdrifts up to 15 feet deep. The rescuers had to use snowshoes, dog sleds, and snowmobiles to cover the remaining mile to the crash site. They, they got there and they found the two survivors at 11 a.m. A helicopter came in and airlifted the two survivors out of the woods. It was determined the crash was caused by turbulence, which induced structural failure. Due to the buffeting stresses, the stabilizer shaft broke and the B-52's vertical stabilizer came off the plane. They actually found the stabilizer about a mile and a half from where the plane struck the mountain. 
With the loss of the vertical stabilizer, the aircraft had lost its directional stability and rolled uncontrollably. There was no way the pilots could have saved that plane in those particular circumstances. There was another uh, vertical stabilizer separation from a B-52H model, and that one was able to continue flying. That happened in 1964. And they were actually able to uh, land that aircraft safely and return it to service. But in this particular case, due to the altitude, the speed, the conditions, um, there was nothing that they could have done to, to stop that crash. Originally, the B-52 was designed to penetrate Soviet airspace at high altitudes of approximately 35,000 feet and high speed of around um, 450 knots or 520 miles to drop nuclear weapons. When the U.S. intelligence realized that the Soviets had implemented a sophisticated, layered, and interconnected air defense system with radar-controlled surface-to-air missiles, you know, SAMs, the U.S. Air Force decided the B-52 would have to penetrate Soviet airspace at low altitudes of around 500 feet, at high speed to stay underneath the radar. However, low-altitude high-speed flight operations put enormous stress on the aircraft structure, especially when flying near mountaintops, up and down ridges, and through valleys. The B-52 was not really designed for that type of operation. A B-52D took off from Larson Air Force Base in Washington on June 23, 1959, and experienced a horizontal stabilizer turbulence-induced failure at a low level and crashed. The modification process of the B-52 series did begin in 1961. The B-52C, which crashed on Elephant Mountain, was the second high-tailed B-52 to suffer a fatal structural failure. After extensive testing and another three similar failures, which resulted in two additional fatal crashes. Within 12 months of the Elephant Mountain crash, Boeing determined that turbulence would overstress the B-52's rudder connecting bolts, causing first a rudder and subsequently a tail failure. The bolts were then strengthened throughout the fleet, which fixed the problem. Of the two survivors of the Elephant Mountain crash, the pilot actually returned to active duty after spending three months in the hospital. And the navigator, who his ejection seat was bent and he couldn't get his survival uh, gear out, his feet were frostbitten while he was in the woods that night. And he contracted double pneumonia. He was actually unconscious for five days and his one of his legs had to be amputated because frostbite and gangrene had set in. So he was never able to return to service. But the pilot did did go back. Uh, brave man to go through that type of trauma, lose all those uh, friends, and, and then go back. Most of the remains of the, of the crash are still at the crash site, which is now owned by Plum Creek Timber Company. Plum Creek has improved the foot trail, so you can visit the wreckage fairly easily. There are signs posted throughout the site that ask viewers to show respect while there. It has been vandalized over the years from time to time, and 
some people have carved names in the wreckage or written on them with a permanent marker, which is which is terrible. But by the for the most part, the wreckage is still there, and uh, people are very respectful when visiting. In the late 70s, a retired military pilot and president of the Moosehead Riders Snowmobile Club initiated an annual memorial snowmobile ride in honor of those aboard the B-52. The annual crash site ceremony is attended by representatives from the Maine Air National Guard, the American Legion, Civil Air Patrol, the Maine Warden Service, and members of the Snowmobile Club. There is a color guard present, laying of a wreath, the reading of the names who died, a prayer by a military chaplain, and the playing of taps. One engine from the plane and the navigator's ejection seat can be viewed at the at the clubhouse of the Snowmobile Club. In 1993, a special commemorative service was sponsored by the Moosehead Riders Snowmobile Club. The navigator actually attended the event and was honored at several ceremonies. He went to the crash site for the first time since being evacuated 30 years earlier. In 2011, a Maine Forest Service employee found an ejection seat from the aircraft near an overgrown logging road while hunting. In May 2012, he returned to the site to take photos and record the identification numbers to confirm that it, in fact, did come from the ill-fated B-52. A recovery team was then sent out, and they retrieved the mostly intact injection, ejection seat. Researchers claim it was most likely the pilot's seat, and remarkably similar to the seat at the Snowmobile Clubhouse in Greenville. It's the third seat recovered from the crash, and it is preserved for public viewing. There's also a seat in a Bangor museum. In 2013, 50 years after the crash, the Snowmobile Club held the annual remembrance at the crash site, and the retired pilot gave a rare interview. Navigator Gerald Alder came face-to-face with his rescuer for the first time in 50 years during a Memorial Day event on May 25, 2013. So that's the story of the 1963 Elephant Mountain B-52 crash. It's, uh, it's quite a tragedy. If the weather had been different, if they had chosen to take the Carolina route, it wouldn't have happened. But given the fact that uh, the B-52s continued to have vertical stabilizer separations after the accident, um, you know, this particular accident contributed to the body of evidence that allowed the allowed Boeing to realize what the problem was and to correct it so that that type of thing would not continue to happen. So in some ways, a tragic accident did help contribute to increased safety for the B-52 crews to follow. If you're in Maine and you have time and you want to pay your respects and see the crash site, go on up and take a look. I'm John Breyer with Mainly Matters. I'll be back with another episode soon, and thanks for stopping by.